Father, we come this morning and we thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your mercies, which are new every morning. We thank you that uh, regardless of whether what's going on around us, if uh, the fig tree does not blossom, there will be no fruit on the vine, uh, the fields yield no food, there will be no herd in the stalls, yet we will uh, rejoice in the Lord. We'll take joy in the God of our salvation. And so help us to do that this morning. We have great reason to rejoice and great reason to praise you this morning. And so may we come and continue to worship you as we go to your word. Help us, Lord, regardless of where we are, may we worship you in spirit and may you help us uh, that our hearts, um, even now that we would come with a, a readiness to hear your word, a readiness to uh, be exposed uh, where perhaps in areas in our life that need to be exposed, um, that, Lord, we, we would come ready to receive all of your good word. And so help us, Father, to come before you. We look to you, Lord, and we love you, and we thank you for your son, Jesus. And so bless this time and bless this time in your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, we continue then, as we have been over these last few weeks, uh, in the Gospel of John. And let me just say this, that, you know, as I prayed and thought about, you know, what book of the Bible we should walk through next following, following Habakkuk, I, you know, like you, had no idea of what was coming. You know, we began the year in Habakkuk, And seeing all these things and in the midst of the confusing times, the righteous should live by faith. I mean, how appropriate is that message right now? And just seeing God's good providence that he has already prepared us for that. And then in the same way, you know, it is a testimony as well to God's good providence that what we need now is exactly what we're seeing in the Gospel of John as well. Right? And what is that? Well, it's Jesus. We need Jesus. And it is my desperate prayer that as many people, they're floundering perhaps right now as all this is going on around them, and certainly there are many that are in great need, they would find Him. That perhaps you would find Him this morning. So as we walk through the Gospel of John together, you may be wavering, you may be confused, you may be looking, well, look to Him who is the light of the nations, Him who is the very heartbeat of the Gospel. Lean upon Him and see His character, see His work, and see His salvation. He came for us and He is with us, even now. So, With the spotlight upon Christ, where it ought to be, we come then to chapter 2 of this gospel where we see his, really the beginning of his ministry. So as I read this, I want to encourage you, lean upon him, 
Ask God to open your heart to His Word and seek the God who has made you for Himself. So if you would then, please turn to John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and we will continue in this grand gospel. And so may God help us. May He bless the reading and receiving of His life-changing Word. On the third day, there was a wedding at Canaan, Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine went out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the serpents, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, although the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. Amen. Well, here we have the very well-known story of Jesus turning water to wine. Now, of course, some, you know, if you're like me, I've encountered people who have you know, taken up this story and they like to say things like, well, now you see here, now I have, I have good reason to drink all the alcohol I want. You see, I mean, look here, Jesus even turned water into wine here. So, you know what I'm going to do now that I have Jesus' endorsement, I'm going to go and eat, drink, and be merry. Well, let me tell you that you can be sure that this is neither the purpose of this story nor the purpose of this book. So that is not getting at what this passage is about. The main point of this miracle, it's found for us and even given to us in verse 11. So in verse 11 it says, This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So, with that verse right there being the crux of this passage, so what that means is that any understanding of this passage needs to be sifted and filtered through this verse. So that means we have uh, 
interpretive guideline here. So anything that detours from that is off. Now John, he, uh, the Gospel of John uh, here, the Apostle John, he delights to write often of the glory of the Son in this Gospel. So even in chapter 1, verse 14, what did he do? We, we saw this a few weeks ago. He exalts and he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have what? Seen His glory. Glory as the, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So as we progress through these verses also, we see it expressly, this manifesting of His glory, as verse 11 makes clear. And we also observe as well the various graces of our Savior. And that would be, if you want to follow along in your notes, that would be the first point here, the various graces of our Savior. So the glory of God among us is not only manifested in, in His awe-inspiring miracles, but they are beheld in His perfect life. So hence, one of the first of His graces that we see here is that He was a faithful Son. He was a faithful Son. In in verses 1 through 2, it says that Jesus, his, His mother, and His disciples, they were invited to this wedding here at, uh, or there, in Cana of Galilee. So we aren't, we aren't told who this wedding is for, but we may suppose it was at least for someone who is a friend of the family of some sort. Well, how do I know that? Well, what do we see here of Mary? Well, we see Mary, she has a rather direct knowledge of the affairs of this wedding and perhaps may even be responsible for ensuring that the food and the drink were being duly distributed. So she comes then and she's aware of the wine and how much is left, or in this case, how much is not left. And so it is then she comes and she tells Jesus rather boldly the sad news, and it is sad news, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. So she says, they have no wine. And so the fact she came here to Jesus is informative. Ah, she, you may be saying to yourself, you know, she knew he would perhaps do a miracle here, and that's why she's coming to Jesus. And, you know, maybe he would do something and, and poof, problem solved. And that's why she came to Jesus. Well, maybe, but I don't, I don't think that we need to jump to that conclusion uh, too quickly. So up to this point, Jesus, he very likely had not done any miracles up to this moment. His ministry had not begun. He was not seeking to point people to himself yet in the way that he will do as we see as we walk through the Gospel of John. And so I would lean away from seeing it that way. But I would say here, though, that, you know, Mary, she did know Jesus as well. She did know that he was faithful She had raised him and she had seen this in him. He was a faithful man of God. He was trustworthy. 
He was resourceful. So with, with Joseph gone, uh, he likely had died at some point here, which we're not told uh, what happened or when that may have happened. But in view of that, Jesus as the firstborn son would have been relied upon heavily by Mary. Now, as she had likely done many times in the past, before she comes and she brings her concerns to her son, even as at the same time she remembers what the angel Gabriel said to her, right? Even as she knows that, yes, this is her son, but he is more than that. He is the son of the Most High. So she knows this of him and so what, what made Jesus such a faithful, trustworthy son? Now, we may be known for being faithful, trustworthy people for all kinds of reasons, right? You know, I, I was faithful in, in football. I uh, never, never missed a practice. I made it to every single game, even though we also lost every single game as well. But I was faithful. I was there, even as I was on the bench most of the time. But, you know, my motive was not really all about God at all. At that time, I didn't even know Christ, but my motive was not for God's glory. It was for mine. My aim was to please myself and even perhaps to please others. I wanted Glory. But this was not the case for Jesus. He was genuinely faithful because his eyes were lifted beyond the eyes of men. The longing of his soul was to do the will of God, his Father. So hear this and hear it well. Flourishing in life are not found in making it our aim and goal to please ourselves. It is not found in trying to get the approval of others. It is not found in getting uh, people to be pleased by us, to gain a fleeting glory for ourselves. But we are to be about, and flourishing is found, and uh, life is found only in pleasing God through Jesus Christ. So let me adjure you. Be freed in Christ and aim at pleasing and honoring God. You want to be a faithful man or or woman of God? Then don't follow the common road of passing glory. Let your aim be to please God. And there you will find a faithful man or woman of God who knows that faithfulness is not bound up in me. You cannot find this in and of myself and what I do, but in the God who made me. Faithful men and women of God, they cling to And they pray and they seek after the Lord that they would be like Him. And you can't do that and be bound to the transitory opinions of men. 
And we also see here another grace of our Lord. Jesus is a compassionate Savior. So during a wedding feast such as this, you know, running out of wine was really not uh, a small thing. I mean, this was, this was a big deal. Having wine was not just a nicety, but the groom was held responsible for ensuring the wedding feast was appropriately supplied. And so, I mean, this was serious business. So if he did not come through on this, if, let's say, the wine ran out, the bridegroom's family could bring a lawsuit against him. And even more than that, he could, uh, in the years to come, this would hang around. He would be even shamed for years to come because of this. So this, this was a pretty big deal, that this groom could be uh, embarrassed, to say the least. And so... This was no small problem. So probably rather urgently then, Mary, she comes to Jesus. And given here, yes, Jesus does slightly rebuke Mary here, but what does he do? He still acts. He knows the ramifications and the real need here. He was ready to meet unexpected needs. He wouldn't sit back and leave the groom to be publicly disgraced. But he would act. You know, we too, of course, we have been taken off guard by all of this and taken off guard by all these unexpected needs around us. I mean, even three weeks ago, I think most of us thought almost that this was a laughing matter, the coronavirus. I mean, yeah, they're, they're saying all this is going on and, and nothing will come of it. Uh, it all blow over. But it didn't. And it hasn't. In fact, before this is all over, the needs may only grow even greater. So it is that we must be formed to respond in Christ-like ways. And that's not something that just happens instantly. Christ-like responses, they are formed over time, through times of quiet, through times of sitting and thinking and praying and applying God's word, we are formed through the, the hearing of the word of God preached, through worship, through ministry and ministering to others, through home groups, through sharing the gospel with other people, through how you treat your family, your spouse, your children, even when no one else knows how you're treating your family, your spouse, and your children. So if you would be a compassionate people, be being formed and sculpted into Christ-likeness. And that takes time. It takes time to get down and come before the Lord and have Him form us and shape us into becoming more like Christ. Yet, at the same time, be formed and act as well.
beyond the ready, exude the compassion of Christ. So let loose compassion. If you see a need and you are able to meet it, do it. I mean, the older members of our congregation, you know, check on them and and pray for them during this time. Uh, Two families in our church, uh, one a few weeks ago had their first child and and another, even even this week, had their first child. Uh, you know, text them, call them, pray for them. I mean, whatever it is, such a, in such a day as this, shine the light of Christ here and now and exude the compassion of Christ. I mean, this is an opportunity uh, for us as the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. Let the world know that we love Jesus. And we gladly want to serve the lost and our fellow brothers and sisters around us. So exude the compassion of Christ. We also see, though, that Jesus is a submissive Savior. Now, he's submissive here in a way perhaps you may not expect. You know, at first... When, when Jesus says to his mother, woman, what does this have to do with me? I mean, that, that may sound harsh, you know, that, that word woman, you know. Now, let me be clear here. It, it was a rebuke. It was a, a mild and respectful rebuke for her. But he wasn't saying it like this. Woman, what does this have to do with me? So, that, that's, not, that's not how we should take this. This is not what he was, he was doing. Instead, it was, it was more like this. Now, ma'am, what does this have to do with me? Now, that, that sounds better. But it's still strange, isn't it? I mean, he still doesn't call her his mother. And she is. But remember, Jesus never does anything without a person. And there are two facets of what he's doing here. First, he is submitting to his heavenly father. Jesus took on flesh with a mission set before him. And so it is that he tells his mother, my hour has not yet come. And we we see this phrase again and again. We see that Jesus right here and right now, he has a priority. He is saying, I am about my father's business. And so what does he mean by this? Well, let's see here again and again in the Gospel of John. We'll see this as we continue through it. John seven thirty. it says, So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. John eight twenty. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. John twelve twenty three, and Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. John twelve twenty seven. now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I come to this hour. So he's, he's telling 
his mother, in my hour, dying on the cross for sinners, has not yet come. It will, but not yet. He's telling his mother that he is submissive to his father's will in time people. Now, such a demeanor is immensely instructive for us. How are we going about our days? How are we going about these days? And if this last months, uh, many months, uh, you know, the question is, you know, if all this continues for us, now are you willing to say, you know, yes, Lord, I trust you. I will still follow your word. I will still live according to your mission. Your plans have not been paused. Your kingdom is still pressing forward. So we don't hit the pause button. But let us together say, Lord, I submit to your timetable. I submit in the midst of all these circumstances to recognize you are still God and you are still in control. And I'm going to still live for you. And we'll still praise your name even if it means virtually. So he submitted to his heavenly father. The first facet, the second, he'll marry is his mother. Right here at the beginning of his ministry, he's trying to make something clear. He is saying, only those who know him by faith really know him. So he's making clear this point. True family are those who are in Christ. We've heard that before, haven't we? John chapter 1. What did it say? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And Jesus is making a similar point here. So being a descendant or being of blood relation is not the key issue. Nor is it a matter of What you do, you may take it or you may make it your aim to please God. So you've heard these first few points and you say, all right, I'm going to work hard at that. I'm going to work hard at pleasing God. I'm going to work hard at being compassionate. I'm going to work hard at being submissive to the Father. But it is not those who seek to work their way to God that are part of God's family. It is those who know Christ by faith and only by faith and faith alone. Faith is at the center. And so Jesus is making clear. He's saying, woman, he is beginning his ministry. Any and all, including his mother, must, they want to know God the Father. They can only know him through faith in Christ. So none will or have known him now nor ever but by faith.
Do you know him by faith? Perhaps you you heard the first few points and you're like, man, you know, I, I can work at that. Well, that's that's not what this is about. This is by faith from beginning to end. A next or another grace we see in Jesus. Next we see Jesus is able to do miraculous things. So he does indeed and do do a miracle here. And incredibly, we see uh, this ease and uh, seamlessness to his to this miracle. I mean, there's there's no word of incantation. There's no waving of the hands uh, of Jesus. He doesn't have a wand that he, you know, uses or something else. Jesus just does it. He doesn't even let us know that he's going to do it. He just does it. So he tells the servants, fill the jars with water, and they do. And then he tells them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And so they did. And he would seamlessly change the composition of the water into wine almost imperceptibly. So if I were to go out, you know, and get some gallons of water right now, or perhaps, you know, Someone would do that and bring them here and let's put them right here uh, for us. And, uh, you know, I tell you, all right, let's do this one at a time. We'll have one person come forward and, and uh, you know, let's change. Uh, we'll practice this, changing the water into wine. All right. Uh, you know, all right, ready, go. I mean, you would look at me and think I'm crazy, right? You'd be like, well, I'm not able to do that. Well, that, that's right. Nor could I, but, but Jesus did. And he didn't, even, he didn't even say anything he did. But Jesus, he wasn't simply coming here to do mighty miracles. No, Jesus came to save sinners. So we see that Jesus is mighty to save. He can do that. He who can change water into wine and he can change the dead, lifeless man or woman, the lifeless boy or girl, and he can say, come to life. And they will. And he either has or can do that in you as well. Even now, he can turn your spiritually dead heart to life. So the question is, will you believe him? He certainly can do this. And he certainly can save you. And with this then, we come back to where we began. We said that the main point of this passage was found in verse 11. Well, in verse 11, we see a sign. Jesus is who he says he is. This is the first sign. We'll see more as we continue through the Gospel of John. And they have a purpose as well. Like a sign, you may, <clears throat> you may see while walking you know, on the streets of a city, you might see a sign that says, Convention Center, center This Way. Or perhaps you know, driving down the highway 
and you see a sign that says hotels and, and food this way. Well, these would be markers to direct us and help us find our way. Well, this sign would say and is saying for you and for us right now that this is the Christ. John said and will say, we'll come to it, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So, how is this changing water into wine a sign? Let's take a moment and answer this question. So we, we read in verse 6, wondering about what, what about these you know, stone water jars? Well, we see here that these six stone water jars, they were not intended for wine. They were intended for Jewish ritual purification or cleansing. And so, but what's going on here is there is a connection being made to the Old Testament and even to the Old uh, Covenant per se. And so this, this is providing an apt picture for seeing who Jesus is. The host, what would happen? He would fail and he would run out of wine. And what is being set forth for us here is the old is gone. The old covenant is not being done away with, but it is something better is here. Him who would come to fulfill it is here. Jesus would provide the wine and stand in as the seventh of the six jars. The new has come in Christ. He would provide drink that would be better, even best, and His drink would never run out. He would bring about a new covenant that by faith any and all may take part. And right now, many are looking at everything that is happening and are wondering, I mean, this virus and these things going on in our world, are these signs of the end? They may be. But above all, we need to apply the point that we see here in our situation. But unless you repent, you will likewise perish. So like the disciples... Let this sign direct you to believe in this Savior. You want to know what all this is going on around us? Well, this is the point. Look to Christ. Believe in Him. Just like these miracles here. Believe in this Savior. He has come. And you may be looking out at all this and saying, what does all this mean? Well, it's God's merciful call, even His megaphone saying, believe in this Savior. I have sent my answer to your broken bodies already. I have sent my answer to your broken selves already. I have sent my answer to this broken world already. In the midst of your separation from God, I have made the way. And here is the way. Here he is. The new wine has come. 
come and drink and be filled evermore. Go to him and come to the one who can save sinners. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you, Lord, for your word here in John chapter 2. Thank you that we could do this this morning. Thank you that you are in control. And as we look out over all these things, what we can surely say in the midst of all these things is, here is the sign, here is the Savior the hope of the nations. Here he is. He has come. And so, as we wrestle through all these things, may you help us, Lord. Those of us who know Christ and are listening and are here, let's pray that you'd help us to put on Christ these graces that we see in his life and how you lived as a faithful son. You lived in com- uh, expressing compassion and exuding compassion. He was submissive to the Father. May we walk in these ways and look to our mighty Savior and walk in accordance with Christ. Father, let's pray that for anyone here or maybe listening, you'd help us respond to your word. There's someone here who doesn't know Christ, but you help them even now to see that he has come to save them, that he can and he will. And so may they look to you and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe that God raised from the dead and they'll be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, Father, we pray for those listening and pray that you would help us to respond to your word in obedience. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.